Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or living a life of purpose. Here you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome. And James will be laughing at this introduction of going, this isn't talk art. I'm not on the talk art podcast yet, which is where he wants to be on. No, you are a guest on Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. And I'm so happy to finally, after two years of chasing him, James finally said, yeah, actually, I think I'll do it now. So some of you may know this amazing, prolific artist, uh, James Napolsing, who is my guest today. And I'm going to read his bio because there's too many things for me to hold in my head. He's a multi-potentialite polymath, which is one of my favorite types of people because anyone who has listened to this podcast for any length of time will know that what I hate most about the Ikigai Venn diagram is it makes us think there's only one source of life purpose or reason to live our life. But James is a painter, lawyer, a coach, a music producer, a podcaster. Most recently, you'll see on his Instagram, a model, looking very nice, I mentioned. And uh, his artwork is an exploration of uh, hybrid cultures, identity, and roots. Every time he mentions his Trinidadian heritage, it reminds me of my dear friend, Aisha, who's also from Trinidad originally, while her family is, her mother is. So it makes me think of Aisha and Auntie V. So it makes me happy and connected to my home. But he is always trying to reach out to this heritage and you'll see the sense of frustration in his artwork as well. So I'm not going to read through all his description of his artwork. You can see that on his profile and all of his links uh, will be in the show notes. But one of the things I've been so impressed seeing from James is your absolute variety, your experimentation, um, you're always pushing the edges and the boundaries of what is possible for you and what you're capable of. And I see this, yeah, this pushing the boundaries as well as a commitment to the rigor. I've seen the work that you did at Slade, at the Royal College of Art. You sort of have the, the two things. You have the, the technical skill and the commitment to the learning, uh, the rigor of technique across everything that you do, as well as just this wild wild skill and a vision uh yeah so that's why I'm so happy I waited two years to get you onto onto the podcast and I think that your journey is absolutely fascinating and I think listeners are going to get so much from our conversation today so the first question I'm going to ask you is like hearing all that about yourself what kind of comes up for you when you look at your life Thanks. Um, what an introduction. It's so strange because no one's actually said all of those things to me in my face before. And it's you don't see how other people perceive you in real time. So for me, this is all really normal. Like I was saying, there's no intentionality to what I'm doing. There's no vision or anything. Like, whatever feels comfortable, then I just do it. There's no commitment or rigor. It's just if I like it, I'll just do more of it. Yeah. So does it feel like I'm describing someone who is is not you? describing someone who I get 
if they see what I'm doing will describe me, but it's not me. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. What what would you to add to like paint a fuller picture of of yourself? What would it be you want to bring to to the conversation today? But the one word you got that was right was the experimentation, because I think life is just one big experiment. You've only got a short time to be here, so you might as well live it to the max and just do as many new things as possible. But you, you kind of put me in a really positive light. You've not said all the dehabilitating things that happen as well. Like I've got mm. absolutely no commitment to things I don't like. like. I literally cannot do admin or things like that. So putting something in my calendar is a massive chore, but churning out four paintings in a day is dead easy. So that's the other side that people probably don't see. Ah, that's good to, it's good to raise that, um, to see that sense of what else it takes, what else is kind of hidden, hidden behind that as well. But I'm very interested, James, to, to hear about, you know, you haven't always been, like say, an artist, shall we say, or have you actually? Let me correct my question there. Have you always? No, been I started hmm. during lockdown, so yeah. that was what February twenty twenty. Yeah. So no, not wasn't an artist before that. No. So what was it in that timing and that, in that moment that brought you to art? I've always had this like niggling thing of I don't know why I did it, but I kept looking at online courses, mm -hmm. and I kept saying if I had time, I should do something. And I saw one at uh, the University of Arts London and it was an abstract painting course. And then lockdown happened, so I didn't have commuting time and I had some spare time on Saturdays. So I just signed up and I just really liked it. And like I said, if, if I like something, then I just do more of it. And it kind of snowballed and then I got into the RCA. Tell me about that. Tell me about um, the snowball at the RCA. Well, yeah, so the abstract arting, art thing Cheetah was actually saying really positive things about my work, which was a real surprise because I was just messing about. And I thought maybe there's something here and I'm enjoying it, so do more of it. And that's when I applied for the Slade School and I did their, first I did a drawing course and then I did the, the painting course. And I think you mm. did the drawing course. I did recently. the painting course. The painting yeah. course. Yeah. And that was just really, really good fun. I got a portfolio together just for the sake of it. And I applied for the RCA. The first time I didn't get in, they, they had, there's a course called the Graduate Diploma and it's for mm. people who haven't done art formally like me. And it's in between a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. It's, it's designed to bridge the gap. Um, it's highly competitive. There's a 10% success rate. So I wasn't surprised I didn't get in. And then I just spoke to an art mentor and they were saying like, your art's good, but it doesn't really have a narrative. So they basically did a coaching session with me Mm. And different themes kept coming up, like chairs, um, colonial furniture, boats. And they said, why don't you explore that with your heritage and the fact that you, you're from Trinidadian heritage, but you've never been there. So it's this abstract construct. And then I, I was doing things just randomly, like looking at primordial shapes with man-made objects. So you'd have like a boat that was a regular structure. And then I'd do strange things like poor Japanese ink on it. So you get this weird shape coming out of it. And he said that was really fascinating because it's almost like the roots of the earth are coming alive and coming over the boat, for example. So you've got this man-made substance, then you've got nature against it. And he said, that's almost like colonialism. So that was like a spark bulb moment. So I just did that even further. 
So then my portfolio had a narrative and it's a pretty strong one as well. And I got in and the course was because of COVID half the students were in London and half were all over the world dialing in on zoom. So I did that until the timing is usually about 6 PM till two o'clock in the morning, but it changed different classes and all that. So I could fill it around work, but I absolutely loved that really got into it. And i got a distinction. And if you get a distinction, you automatically get a place on the painting MA, which is what David Hockney and Tracy Emin did as well. So I can go there. I think they keep your place open for four years or something if I want right. to, but I've got, um, commitments here with a job and a mortgage and the rest of it. So I'm not yeah. sure how that will pan out. I don't think I'll go down that, that road, unfortunately. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I do. <laughs> you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And having guess like the takeaway from, from what you said there is, is first of all, just like the awareness of, of what a rejection means, which was basically not much. Okay, now I understand what the, the game is, what the requirements are. Yeah, okay, I need to go back and look at this and I'm going to try again. You had that coaching conversation and actually that was what guided you to the successful application. I think there's a lot of people who go, oh, I didn't get in to whatever it is, whatever context, and just say, oh, maybe I um, shouldn't bother. So I, think I am it. that person usually, but in this context, I wasn't. I so what rejection. was different then? What was what was different then? I had nothing to lose for this because I had a job and everything else and a life here. So it was it's a nice to have. But I don't know what the impetus was to do it again. I can't really explain that. I think sometimes the universe just pulls you in a certain direction. You just have to do things. But like I said, there was no intentionality there. It was just I just applied again. But you just, I hate rejection. It really, really annoys me. Mm. It really affects me in a bad way, actually. Interesting. So I'm, I'm speechless because I'm thinking what was, yeah, what was different? How do you approach it differently? So in this case, what worked for you was, yeah, nothing to lose. Like the, the stakes mm. mattered less. Mm -hmm. And then, which kind of just gave, seems like it gave you the freedom to, to experiment, do it again. Definitely. But I don't apply that elsewhere in my life. Mm. And I can't explain why. Yeah. And it's not a coaching session, so I've got to stop myself to, <laughs> to, to not coach. And for those of you who want to hear a coaching session, please check out uh, in podcast format, James's uh, podcast. I want to say Plus Future Coaching. Is it correct? Uh, it's called the Plus Future Podcast. Oh, I'm so close. But the Instagram name is Plus Future Coaching. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so wanting to go down this line. So tell me, why are you not applying it? What would be possible for you if you applied it in that space? But I'll leave the coaching inquiry for you for, for another time. Um, and I want to shift uh, gears a little bit and actually talk about like this multi-potential like polymath identity and, and what that gives to you in the sense of your ikigai and like how it feels to be alive. The way you're phrasing that, it's like it's a plan, but I don't plan anything. I just do <laughs> things that look fun at the time. Like now I'm doing a wine course, the WSET. So I've got level two and now I'm doing level three just because I love what I'm doing. Because mm. it's almost like painting, but you're, you're doing it with wine instead. So you're looking yeah. at the different smells and tastes and it's almost like color pigments. 
but yeah. and it's also like it connecting you to different parts of the world as well like looking at pictures of france and italy and australia i'm just absolutely loving it but i didn't like wake up one morning and say this year i'm going to do wine and next year i'm going to do this it's literally it's not like that i think you're giving me what we way too much credit than i'm worth <laughs> and i don't really contextualize it and see is this sort of value of my worth and the earth or anything like that it's just i'm literally just having fun and experimenting love it i think that's like the uh, that's the kind of ikigai energy that is is really helpful to have that i'm just having fun on this earth and experimenting and trying things out like that's a that's a great way to to live your life and I, I i hope that when people hear you say that that they feel oh hang on that might be possible for me to just do those things to just like live my life with those those different areas and i'm almost seeing i know it's not intentional but how you can bring what's the next level of your installation bringing in all of the five senses right because you already work a lot with sound with your music you're working with uh, with paint, and of course, your painting is quite physical, right? It's pretty. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of layers and depth, um, and then we bring in some wine. Not <laughs> wine, but <laughs> there's aroma. There's it's a it's a five senses uh, installation experience. Now I'm hearing all of this. It relates to why I didn't get into the RC in the first place because there was no narrative. I was just literally doing things and experimenting. But it's very difficult for people to understand what you're doing and to actually internalize it and how they see themselves within that context, which is why I needed to focus on one particular thing to get into the RCA. So all of these things I'm doing in my life, there's no intentionality there. And that's why there's no narrative that I can explain to you now. So for listeners at home, it probably doesn't make sense in my life, but it's not meant to make sense for them. It's what I'm doing, what I'm enjoying. I hate to be selfish, but yeah. Does that make sense as well? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we sort of talked about this. Um, you very kindly came to the launch for Gus and we talked about this idea and, and hearing you say this more that uh, how... It's almost confronting, I think, for people to hang on. Well, what are you, mm. right? What what are you in the world? Which box can I put you in mm. when you're the type of not type of person? I don't know, but when just how you exist in the world is well, I just do a lot. There isn't a narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's it's hard for people to grasp. So. I think you've you've sort of already spoken to this, but on maybe like a practical way, if there's someone who's listening to this episode and they're and they're feeling like, yeah, people people don't get me and they want to put me in this box, it's like how can they handle it in those moments where they feel those restrictions to to put themselves into a narrative? My experience, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I restrict what I tell people when they ask what do you do. They want an answer, so I usually give them what they want. Otherwise, I've found it's too confrontational. It puts it scares people if I tell them all the things that I do. Like you said, they don't understand. And sometimes I feel it makes them feel a bit inadequate or they think I've got like a mental illness or something. Or do you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. just so out there. But for me, it's just so normal. And for people who know me really well, my, my family, it's just it's who James is. Yeah. So it's 
it's it depends what what you want from people if you just don't want them to kind of ask questions like, like you're a freak of nature then just bear that in mind and just say i'm a lawyer or something like that which sounds horrible and limiting but <laughs> that's the way the world is unfortunately mm. uh, actually though i think that's a really in a way like a really positive sort of protection of yourself that you don't owe anyone a full inventory of your life's work when you exchange business cards with them at an event. There's also protection for them as well. Mm. Because I don't want to mess with their heads. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, as you see, like the confrontation of, well, how, hang on, if this human being in front of me is doing all of those things and I'm not doing all of those things, what does that say about me and how I choose to live my life? Yeah, right. and also just thinking about your protection point on me, it's a protection for me now I'm thinking about it some more. They think that I'm a rubbish lawyer or in the creative space a rubbish artist because I've got a corporate job. And I think people think unless you spend 100% of your time doing one thing and you specialise that, then you're going to be absolutely not the best at it. Maybe mm -hmm. that's true. Maybe I'm just average at everything I do, but I just do it slightly better than other people. Well, I found out like this month, the full jack of all trades quote. So we have like a jack of all trades, a master of none, right? And mm -hmm. that's usually where it finishes. But the end of the quote, I might have to Google this later, a jack of all trades, a master of none, but often better than a master of one. That's so true. And it was written about Shakespeare. Oh, really? Apparently. Fascinating. So the internet says... Fact check. Also, Jacko Wilco, do you know him, the Navy SEAL? Um, no. So that, I listened to him on a Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was talking about his Navy SEAL selection training, and he said the reason why he was better than everyone else and he got selected is because everyone had like one specific thing, like an ex-Olympic swimmer or bodybuilder or an athlete, whereas he was really average at everything, but he that's all you needed to do to pass. If you just specialized at one thing, then you're not very good at something else, for example. I'm slightly similar, I think. I'm not amazing at anything I do. They're way better painters than me. I've worked with other painters, let's just say, and they focus on one thing. Like They're really good on the creative front, but they're not so good on the business front or promoting themselves. Mm. So then they're not as successful as I am, perhaps. Whereas I'm average at painting and average at business and average at marketing. So exponentially, I'm probably doing a lot better than they are. Right. In terms of like how, how your work gets out into the world, how many people are able to experience it, right? Yeah, I suppose how you define success as an yes. artist as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's really yeah, interesting to look at that when you're holding those multiple points. And what, what is actually possible from being average in many things. You've got a cheeky smile, which the listeners won't be able to see, but what kind of what came, what came up for you in that cheeky smile of being average at many things? You sent me a request for members of underrepresented groups to big up themselves and what they're really good at. So when I hear I'm average, I am at loads of things, but some things I know that I'm not, I'm pretty special. But the fact that I'm saying that makes me sound really arrogant. And I'm quite conscious of how I'm presenting myself. 
being a brown person saying that as well mm. so i've always been quite conscious of that as well so i'm even questioning now whether me saying to you i'm average at everything is a protection mechanism so people won't think i'm arrogant so that's a coaching aha moment i've just got there so thank you for bringing that up thank you to the team at google for the i am remarkable workshop which is what james is uh, is referencing there yeah so if you are actually remarkable in in how you are living your life what does that mean for you good question i suppose i've always wanted to leave my mark on the earth i've done a lot of things in my life and i think i've done that the question is what what's next and that's probably a, a protection point as well because i think this is um overachiever syndrome it's when you climb to one mountain you see another one so there's you're always climbing mountains so maybe that's why I just immerse myself in the now and just enjoying what I'm doing and not actually setting out massive goals for the future. Just do what I do. Yeah, this is, is secretly turning into a coaching session. So it to... is, isn't it? This I is know, what you get when so... you get two coaches together. I know. Shocking, shocking. Um, there was a previous episode, actually, where uh, Corey McGowan and I just like sat for a bit, like holding the silence. And we went, this is not making a great podcast, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not it doesn't work so well in 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 this element i'm still really fascinated with this idea of protection actually and it it comes up a lot in coaching around ikigai too because that statement of oh hang on actually i think i want to invite this thing into my life and how it can if it's a change right you know, you bring it's, it's, it's a new identity, it's a new way of being, it's a new hobby, even how that messes with other people's heads around mm. you to be like, whoa, hang on, who is this James? Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't this isn't the person I married, this isn't the person I hired, this isn't the person I I met at this in this other context. Mm. So I wondered if you could speak a little bit to as you've had this transformation in yourself yeah how how you've dealt with maybe some of that kind of pushback or how it is confronting to other people as you transform it's not for me it's not a transformation it's just doing new stuff mm. but the weird thing is like even because I, I lecture part-time like law and then one of the students said professor and i was like looking around like who are they talking to <laughs> and it's happened as well like when i first started producing like house and techno music people were emailing me and introduced me to other people like james is a producer and i was like that just doesn't sound right at all then you get used to the titles and everything like that but um i digress in answer to question yeah getting people on your side i think is really important like close people some people won't get it even close family members and, and that's fine you just got to say look I just, I just need to do this now you're not going to suffer don't worry you can come join me in, in the journey if you want or you can just stay at the sidelines and just wave me that's fine yeah i've not had masses and masses of pushback there because people know what i'm like who do know me <laughs> yeah i don't i don't really tend to hang around people who are the kind of people that put you in a box or whatever on a social level anyway in my own spare time so mm. people just don't get it then yeah and the fact that I do so many things, I have to be really, really protective of my time. And I just haven't got the time to devote to people who just don't get it and are quite negative and just question what you're doing and why you're doing it. I just don't have time for that. 
awesome message. So the people who get you will get you. The people, yeah, haters gonna hate. Thanks, yeah. Taylor. And then um, for those loved ones who who are close but not with you, that's also like fine. And I'm gonna do it. And it's like it's their choice. Where where do you want to be with me in this? But I'm I'm gonna be doing this thing. Yeah, right? and I've realized as I've got older just getting rid of the negativity is absolutely essential to living a, an amazing life. Mm. So I just surround myself with people who are actually like they call them radiators. They give you warmth, they give you energy, they love you as opposed to people who are just always quite cynical. They've got issues and they, they kind of bring you on on the issues and they, there's a bit of expectation that you're there to help them get out of the issues. Mm. And I don't know if this is selfish, but I'm, I'm quite happy to do that with really, really close family members. But for friendship, for me, that's not what friendship's about at this stage of my life. Maybe me 20 years ago, that's fine. But now I've got other commitments. I've got my own family to deal with, for example. And yeah, yeah I, I need that time to devote to my family. And I hate to be really selfish, but the stuff that actually motivates me. And it's a bit like the oxygen mask in, on the airplane, like unless you're you get the oxygen mask first and you help yourself, then you're not going to help anyone else because you're going to be knocked out. I love that. It co it comes up a lot on this podcast, that idea of taking care of yourself and like who's like who's in your corner, who's on your team, having those people. So although maybe it's not your intentionality, um, but like through, through a spirit experience of trial and error, you've gone, actually, that's not the type of friendships that, I want to make time for so absolutely yeah move move through them so if if someone is thinking you said there was like a niggling mm. that little niggling voice is very common to come up in like ikigai coaching conversations a niggling voice and when i have time i'll do it now touch wood whatever we want to pray to we don't get another lockdown we don't have another pandemic um or similar or Anyway, another world pause that, that gives people that time. What kind of advice would you have for people who have that niggling voice? Listen to it, definitely. I think too many people dismiss it and say, I've got commitments. It's too, too crazy to do something like that. But for me, it's the universe is pushing you in that direction. And it's, it's always been a hugely, hugely positive experience for me when I've listened to that niggling voice. When I start questioning things, then yeah, you miss out on a lot, I think. But I'm coming at this from immense privilege. I recognize that like my education and the jobs I've had, the salaries I've got, for example, I'm really privileged to have those kind of choices. And I recognize that a lot of people don't. So obviously take care of your family and all of that first. Mm. And that should definitely be the priority. But once everything else is taken care of and you've got no other excuses not to do it, then yeah, just what have you got to lose? I love I love the simplicity of that that message of just just listen to it. Mm. That's beautiful. I remember doing some work with a coach called Tara Moore and she talks about like the inner mentor and um it is like the wisdom is always just so simple. It's not like couched in this big language. And when it's like really true, it's, you know, just, just listen to it. Mm. It's often so clear and uncomplicated and 
overthinkers club uh just start like making the thing that i'm imagining or whatever you know it might be for and maybe the answer is yeah (laughs) yeah it's wonderful so you have um a chance to give a message you know to all the listeners of ikigai with jennifer shinkai what is it that you would like them to know i think this is just me being me there's way too much emphasis on goal setting achieving what you really need to do in your life following your passions following your dreams instead of just like just going with the flow and just chilling out and enjoying every day so just chill out for 2023 don't put way too much pressure on yourself when you don't need to it goes for everything like gym goals dietary goals drinking goals just as long as you're healthy just do it chill 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 in 2023 i like it i really hate like a five-year ten-year plans and and so i just kind of stopped Mm. but i still feel a little bit of like well as a business owner i should probably and i'm like it's just me i'll have other people's payroll to think about not supporting their families it's actually just really comfortable yeah one exercise that is inadvertently goal setting but it's a sneaky way of doing it is writing an essay of you in say five or ten years time living your perfect day from Mm. start to finish i've done that that's been really useful actually that's more about feelings like how do you want to feel when you wake up why are you feeling like that as opposed to i need to do this by this date yeah yeah it's i like that um like talking about the texture Mm. of your life Mm. yeah i'm definitely on board with that and i do um uh like self-hypnosis around around those topics and find it like really really helpful but having this milestone this um, maybe it's the difference of not being in a corporate role anymore, mm-hmm. that somebody else's goals aren't there mm. um, in terms of like a career ladder. So I'm freed from that. Mm. But also I think I read a really powerful book when I was first starting my business, which was called something like The Power of One. Mm-hmm. And it's like an anti-growth book. And that that helped me to not be in that massive goal growth have to double your income have to 10x 10x in a year well i want to i want to well fine thanks i'm chilled i'm chilled exactly um but still doing but chill but still doing oh yeah and what's the question that i should have asked you james i haven't asked you yet what's the question you should have asked me but you haven't Mm. that's a coaching question isn't it as well <laughs> this um, is Matthew Don's great, uh, great question. He always asks me. What's the question you should have asked me? Yeah. One thing that came to mind, and I don't know why it did, is why are you here? And I've no idea. And I don't know where that came from as well. I think that's one of those questions that I have to go in ponder. So yeah, it kind of comes full circle. And I said that I have no intentionality, but subconsciously I've just asked myself, well, what's your purpose? Why are you here? I can't mm-hmm. answer that. I need to go. Well, that's what you've asked, asked it yourself. <laughs> so you've saved me the host job there. Um, but I think that's at the heart of, you know, for, for some people, that's the heart of the Ikigai question. Like, why, why am I here? And it doesn't need to be. It can be 
much lighter, like as you said, chill, enjoy what's happening in the moment. Uh, but part of that inquiry, like why am I here? What's the contract that I've made to be on this planet? What am I here to learn? What mark will I leave? Yeah, it's the the big the biggest question, I think. It is. My, my two favorite coaching questions. Um, why are you here? Mm -hmm. What do you want? What do you want? That's actually a really difficult question to answer for a lot of people. Yeah. So Except what do you want, James? What do I want? Eternal happiness. <laughs> <laughs> what would eternal happiness look like for you? Uh, basically my life now, because I'm at a really nice state and it's just, everything's great. There's no expectations on me to do much. Mm. I'm just doing what I'm doing and people seem to enjoy it. I really want to acknowledge your absolute chilled energy. It's so nice. It's so um, <laughs> unlike my tiggerish bouncing aroundness. Um, yeah, it's really grounding to to spend time with you. And I think people hearing it, as you said at the beginning, they go, "Oh, he's got like doing all this stuff," and wow, it's a bit confronting. And and who am I? And then actually just a regular guy who is remarkable i believe <laughs> but there's not yeah there, there is this chillness and um yeah very grounded it's really refreshing to energy to be around thank you yeah people always ask me how do you find the time to do all of this but i don't play golf and i don't watch netflix it's that <laughs> simple <laughs> yeah so yeah playing golf that's that's a day a week right Exactly. And how long does it do take a painting? Sorry, how long does it take me to do a painting? Probably like an hour, two hours. Right. So I can do four in a day when they're playing golf. And you don't watch Netflix? We haven't got Netflix. Probably you've got Netflix. If we you got... like Netflix, that's cool. Just enjoy your life. Got them all. Got them all. And that was actually one of my other big changes in uh, in COVID. I said okay we've got disney plus no one's watching it i'm gonna watch all the marvel movies and now i'm like okay when are we going on our cinema date we still haven't been to see what kind of forever um but yeah i have like my marvel pal and i listen to all these podcasts about fandoms and geekdoms and i'm incredibly earnest about all these things like whoa where did that come from but again it's one of those it's like bringing me a lot of joy and a sense of I think it's something about the scent. There's a sense of a quest. Got to catch them all like the Pokemon. And then also storytelling and community. This like shared experience in this moment of time as we consume this content together. It's really fascinating. I just think fans are brilliant. Mm. I love people who are like good fans, yeah. non-toxic fans. There's, there's quite a lot of toxicity. So you do have to choose that community space carefully. But people who are earnest and enjoy something deeply, it's really because I'm not I'm not such a deep fan. It's ob interesting to observe. Interesting. Yeah. It's I have it for the underground music scene in London. So all the producers that I know, we kind of hang out when I'm there, which is really cool. Because it's, it's quite a welcoming group. It sounds like your Marvel group is quite similar as well. And the most important thing for me is it's just really, really diverse. Mm. So there's cultural, ethnic diversity, like sexuality. It's 
all open doors everyone's just so welcoming hard to find those kind of communities actually nowadays i think you have to make your own exactly yeah yeah awesome well we're coming to the end of our time james and you know i've got to catch up on the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, uh, which came out this week on, on Disney Plus. So <laughs> it's about time to wrap up. I'm not going to watch that now. Um, I'm not read that so, show is uh, actually my level of fandom that's like been out for days and I haven't watched it. Part timer, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. So, what if people want to connect with you? What should they do? How can they? Insta's probably the easiest. I'm at Nepo Public. Links in the show notes down below. Yeah. Excellent. And have many different ways. So thank you so much for being with us today. It was um, got between sometimes, hang on, we're going going into coaching zone here. We talked about um, identity, being chill, protectionist modes, how to like protect others and protect yourself. If how you are showing up in your ikigai is, is somehow confronting to others. It was a really interesting conversation to have. And I'm very grateful that we made it happen. And I hope that our friends over at TalkArt hear this interview and invite you for their next episode. I think we should definitely uh, send them the link afterwards. Thank oh you, God, Jennifer. So much. Thank you so much, James. Take Thanks care. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.